And I'm Lenny Kluge. We are two immigrants living in Chile, bringing you information on news, cultural topics, travel, business, and more. The Chile Today podcast is the first ever bi-weekly English news podcast. For more information about the news topics you will hear today, check out our news affiliate, chiletoday.cl. If you have any questions, stories to share, or just want to say hi, message us on Instagram at Chile Today Podcast or email us at chiletodaypodcast at gmail.com. If you're feeling generous, rate and review us so that more people can find our podcast. Hello and welcome to the Chili Today podcast. I'm Lenny and right across from me is... Pinguino. Pinguino. And guess who's missing here? It's Bethany. She's not here and I'm not Bethany either. I'm not because you might have thought maybe I'm Bethany that has undergone hormone therapy. But no, that is not the case. Bethany is not here because she is right now traveling. She is living the high life in Disney World... And she's coming back soon. Might have some news for us. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe not. She might have some news. So we'll see about that. But as for now, it's up to, up to the two of us to just give you the news. And let's get to it because we have a lot of news today. We got a lot of news. But first and foremost, let's talk about upcoming events. How about that? We have April events. The first one is April 7th. That is correct. And we have a horrible movie night. Another one of those. Uh, I love those horrible movie nights. I actually get to help pick the movie this time since, you know... That's why they're so horrible. Thank you. I have a film degree that yeah. says otherwise. But that was a compliment, I guess. Sure. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. The movie. <laughs> horrible movie. It's... Um, We're off to a great start, We are watching, you know, it's April. April, you know, Easter is Easter weekend. Yeah. The... <laughs> The death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So we're watching Hamlet 2, which for those who don't know, it's a movie about a about a high school drama teacher who decides to make a sequel to Hamlet where Jesus saves uh, Hamlet from the ending of his own play. Oh boy, that sounds like something I need to watch. <laughs> It is horribly bad. It involves the song Rock Me Sexy Jesus. Is it an iteration of Rock Me Amadeus? Or? I have no idea. I mean, what, maybe, yeah, it probably. Be, it's probably it's sort of like a, theater, yeah. yeah. So yeah, come see. It'll be fun. Enjoy watching Hamlet too. It's actually a really good movie. I actually really like it. It's really dumb, but it's just. It's chef's kiss. Exactly. Chef's kiss. All right. Well, guys, you've heard it here first. Come, come on uh, April 7th to the Black Rock Pub as usual. It usually starts at around 8 o'clock. We'll be posting something up on the page. So just follow the Chistolas, you know. We've told you a couple of times you should do this by now. <laughs> And uh, check it out for yourself. Next event that we have coming up is on April 30th, the last day of the month, Another comedy show, bilingual comedy show at the Fiddler's Irish Pub next to Metro Station Manuel Mont. Also starts around 8 if nothing changes until then. That has already been posted, so y'all should really come and check this out. We have great comedians. It's going to be bilingual, and it's not gonna co it's not costing a lot. It's, it's, it's less than a movie ticket, so just, you know, might as well just come in there and check us out. And we actually do um, we actually do the stand-up show on the third floor, which ha which is open. Yes. 
So that's, you know, like a, a big plus because still a lot of people are kind of anxious about COVID and going and sitting inside a cramped yeah. room watching people try to make people laugh. It's yeah. not ideal, but it's... Yeah. I wonder how long we can keep this up for because people start getting cold at some point. I mean, we're... What's winter? Yeah. It's, really uh, it hasn't. No. For... So anyway, April 30th, Fitless Show, Comedy Show, Bilingual. Um... Yeah, so there might actually be a few more events before that April 30th show, but uh, we'll let you know as soon as those are hammered out. So we'll keep you posted. Okay, people, and also don't forget that we have a Patreon page now with two tiers opening right now to, well, join, which is uh, the tier Pinguinos Posse, with a th- is a tier w- which asks you for $5 a month. It will give you early access to select episodes, monthly travel, t- travel tips to Chile, basically the best places to eat, rent, and so forth, and free discount and free and discounted tickets to events in Chile. So that's one thing. The other thing would be the um, $10 tier, which is my favorite tier because it's called Lenny Lovers with a little heart. Yeah, man, you gotta love Bethany's creativity here, which basically gives you early access to episodes, membership merch monthly travel tips, access to our discussion board on discount, discount, not discount, discord. Maybe it's get, you get a discount there too, who knows, but you get free and discounted tickets to shows in and around Santiago, well, mostly in Santiago, and shout out. So who doesn't love that? Come visit our Patreon page, join up, and give us some money because we need better equipment, even though I got this new mic, so I hope, and I, you know, took away the little screen, so I hope people hear me better now. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. So sit up tight, sit up straight, because we got a lot of news today for you. So let's start off with the COVID-19 update. As of today, which is Friday, March 25th, there are only, only, quote unquote, 8,247 cases, and the positivity rate is at 8.38%. Now, I cross-referenced that with my notes from last episode two weeks ago, and we had 10,650 cases and a positivity rate of 14.88%, so things have really gotten down. Actually, the number said there were 42% fewer cases than two weeks ago, so that's good news, everybody. Good news, everybody. The government is also working on a project to produce vaccines locally, now, this could be in cooperation with the Universidad de Chile, which already operates a production center for vaccines and other biological products. Now, uh, Carlos Safi, who is the director of innovation at the Universidad de Chile, announced that they will travel to Argentina between March 28 and 30, as well as to the World Vaccine Congress in Washington, D.C. from April 16th to 21st to hash out collaboration agreements on a regional scale. So we might have vaccines made in Chile at some point. That'd be great. So we're not so dependent on imports. Anyway, so, unless you have something else to add there, so, as of Monday, March 14th, uh, in-person attendance is mandatory again for childcare, kindergarten, elementary school, and high school after the Pineda government left attendance as voluntary on March 10th and didn't even notify the successor government about this, about this change, which caused quite a bit of a buzz there because Marco Avila was just like, hold on, what, who, who made this change? Why, why didn't I not... Why didn't anybody tell me what's going on here? So they changed it back to make it mandatory. Now, and this is also true for all phases in the Paso a Paso plan, which is Apertura Inicial, Preparación, Transición, and Restricción, which used to be quarantine before, which is not quarantine anymore. 
Now, this has been criticized because not all schools have the means to implement preventive measures, which is mask, ventilation, distance, and so on and so forth. And moreover, in mid-March, a peak in COVID-19 cases in the age group from 0 to 19 years old could be observed, which can be associated with the back-to-school effect. So people were like, you want to send our kids back to school? Like, you crazy? This is like an incubator. And also, like, the thing is, like, if a student gets infected and online classes are no longer a thing, it's like they still have to stay home, but this time they just cannot up with the curriculum as easily as before. That That's another thing, you know? Yep. I mean, yeah, well, sick days is one thing, but they also have to remain quarantined, Well, but they're not really sick. They could, like, you know, participate in class, like, online at least, you know? They're, yeah. like, not flat on their back, but, you know, it's not a thing anymore. So, yeah, so basically responding to this criticism, the Ministry of Education has decided that at least 80% of the students of a class need to be completely vaccinated in order for the classroom capacity restrictions to be lifted, right? If it's less than 80%, then you can still have uh, in-person attendance, but, like, cannot be more than X amount of students per square meter, whatever, that kind of thing. And furthermore, the ministry gave schools some flexibility with respect to the length of the school day, meaning that the schools can define themselves until what time the school day will run. And this is meant to be a transitionary measure to ease schools and students back into like normalcy, if you will. And lastly, the ministry will provide subsidies for the procurement of anti-COVID measures such as masks, alcohol, gel, and and soap and all these kind of things, which is great because you got to consider not all schools have the same resources to, you know, be safe. Let's talk about the, this little thing called MEPCO. Now, what's MEPCO, you ask? Yeah, you will, you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll mansplain it to you in a few seconds. Now, the Finance Commission of Congress, as well as the lower house, unanimously voted in favor for doubling the funds for the MEPCO from $750 million to $1.5 billion, as this threshold was soon to be reached. Now, days later, the proposal was also approved unanimously in the Senate. Now, the MEPCO is the Mecanismo de Estabilización de Precio de los Combustibles, or in English, Fuel Price Stabilizing Mechanism, which was created in 2014 and basically seeks to stabilize the price development of fuels, preventing a too strong surge, um, preventing a too strong, too strong of a surge or drop in prices. So it can either be a price subsidy or it can also be a tax. So it works both ways. Now, with this cash injection, the MEPCO will be able to limit the fuel price surge to, and I thought that was kind of funny, to only, quote-unquote, 6.7 pesos per week, which is just, I mean, if you think about the last couple of years, like if, like, I don't know, man, three years ago, if you had, like, a increase in price in the in, in, in fuel of 6.7 pesos per week, like, you'd have right in the streets. But they said, like, if it wouldn't be for the MEPCO, you would have... a uh, price surge of up to 250 pesos per week yeah so basically if if that if they wouldn't have topped off this little fund uh, that would probably would have happened so just be glad that we have that be, be glad that it's only 6.7 pesos and not 250 pesos per week holy shit that's a lot dude the problem we now thing was okay like the this whole measure was approved in, unanimously in the Senate as well as in the House of, of Deputies. But, you know, the problem was not so much with the expansion of the fund itself, but its use, because there were also calls to include paraffin, kerosene and gas in the mechanism. So there were like calls to also include these kind of fuel, if you will. So in order to support to garner support from the lower house, 
finance minister Mario Marcel, he handed out a lot of political IOUs. He made a lot of com commitments. He said to stop the, the rise in paraffin prices, he'd use resources from the pandemic emergency fund, which is kind of like, really, man, like, this is the nice there, buddy, yeah. He assured that there will be no further rise in subway and bus fares, what you just talked about. And for that, uh, he'd analyze... That's what happens. Yeah, right. And for that, he'd analyze an increase in the su of subsidies of public transport. And he also say he, he would investigate. He was a little bit more cautious when it came to that point now. But he said he would also investigate possible measures in order to halt the surge in gas prices, while at the same time preventing funds to be misappropriated by gas companies implicated in these gas uh, acts of corruption. So like with gas, he's like jury's still out on the gas price thing, but he was just like... No worries about it. I'm going to stop the rise in paraffin prices and I'm like public transportation costs. I'm not going to search Just you know, please do this for me. We need to top up the fund. So and he said, like, I'm going to have concrete things on paper by April. I was like, OK, buddy, April is like in a week. Like, I hope you really live up to your expectations. I mean, this guy is I don't want to say he's a blank sheet of paper. I mean, he has he's a very well respected. I don't want to say politician, but person, you know, yeah. as. Moving on, let's talk a little bit about the water shortage, because y'all might not realize, but we're right now going through a little water crisis here in Chile and also like in the specifically in the metropolitan area. Well, it's not the worst here, but yeah, yeah, we're kind of screwed. I mean, don't think about like because you know metropolitan area Santiago is kind of Santiago. Like, what's going to happen here? Like, yeah, that is Chile, so. yeah, so it's. We're going through a tough time right now. So a group of about 150 municipalities, they are working on an ordinance right now to be able to deal with the water crisis in a more coordinated manner. So the idea is to restrict and sanction the misuse of water, which is already happening in several communities, like a surprise, surprise, Lobarnechea, which is one of the most affluent municipalities here in Santiago. For now, this will mostly affect the public use of water. So you as a private person do not need to be overly concerned about people turning off your water for now, you know, but as I said, right now it's mostly, it will affect the public use of water, such, in, such as in parks, in gardens, soccer fields, public infrastructure in general, you know. Now, just to give you a rough idea of what's happening right now at, uh, around Chile, currently more than 50% of the country's municipalities are experiencing a water shortage, and those are 188 municipalities, which house 8.3% million people, which is about 47.5% of Chile's overall population. Now, the governor of the metropolitan region, Claudio Rego, even warned that if the situation doesn't improve soon, he might have to implement water rationing. So then he's going to turn off your tap. I hope this is not going to happen. And to hammer this home, he even released a rap video God, inspired by the so-called Tiradera by Puerto Rican rapper Residente which was just painful to watch. But man, if he was out for attention, he got it. It was just, man, that guy ain't got no flow. So the fifth region of Valparaiso has also been severely pummeled by this crisis. And now lately desalination plants are the talk of the town now to solve this crisis because they're already like an important part of the infrastructure in countries like, for example, Israel. Now, don't get your hopes up too much because... Experts warn that those plants, of which there are actually already like 18 operational in Chile, they are not the cure-alls. Because first, between planning, the evaluation of the environmental impact, construction, and so on and so forth, those plants can take up to four to five years until they're operational, and they can cost, cost up to 6 billion pesos, which is around 7.7 .7 million dollars, which is, I don't think it's that much. 
I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not money that I have, but like, okay, we're talking about public infrastructure here. So that's something you can dish out, I guess. Well, there's another problem with those desalination plants is because since these plants filter out the sea salt through reverse process called reverse osmosis, which is a great band name, by the way, like they produce brine, which is being eventually dumped back into the sea and that can severely impact the local maritime egg ecosystem. So now, and another point that uh, someone brought up is that these treatments plants also need a lot of energy to operate and which more often than not is being provided through the burning of fossil fuels. So that would also contribute to climate change. So, well, basically the, the summary here is that desalination plants, yes, great option, but it's just, it's not a cure-all, it's just an addition additional basically one more tool in your toolbox to tackle this the this crisis it just can't be the the overall solution here all right guys let me tell you a little bit about uh, or let me give you a little update about the state of emergency up there in the north the king in the north on i didn't even know why i said that let me do this again all right guys let me give you a little update on the state of emergency up there in the north on march 16th congress approved the extension of the state of emergency in the three northern provinces arica parinacota tamarugal and eloa with a whooping 142 votes in favor and only three against and then later it was also voted on the senate and was also approved with a clear margin of 39 in favor and just one against or three sorry like yes one against and two abstentions now, the Minister of the Interior, Iskia Siches, voiced hopes that they will find a sustainable solution and be able to de-escalate the situation in the north as soon as possible so that the government won't have to request another extension for 15 days from now, which would be April 1st. But that didn't happen because due to administrative reasons, the government decided to move up the vote for a second extension, which would then be until April 16th, which has been passed to the lower house again with a broad majority, which has been passed in the lower house with a broad majority and will have to be voted on in the Senate next week. So we'll probably have a state of emergency until mid-April. Colchanes mayor, on the other hand, Javier Garcia, he emphasized again that the state of emergency really hasn't done anything to prevent the markets from entering the country irregularly, nor has it provided the locals with the security that they needed. But the subsecretary of the interior, Manuel Monsalve, already announced that they are working on a plan to put out that dumpster fire up there in the north. And that plan includes a development program with investment initiatives a program to recover public spaces that have been lost due to the migration crisis, implementation of uh, migratory policies, whatever that means, and collaboration with the PDI to identify migrants that have uh, that have entered the country irregularly, corroborating whether they do have a criminal record or not, so basically whether they have to kick them out again. Now, since I'm already talking about the whole state of emergency, let me just put in a quick correction here for something that I talked about the last episode. Like in the last episode, we were a little bit at a loss about why Camila Vallejo said that the state of emergency would not be extended, but then Iskiasi just confirmed that it would be. As you might have noticed, we're talking about two different states of emergencies here, right? There's one in the north and there's one in the south. And the one that got extended is the one in the north. And the one that did not get extended was the one in the south. So there's that. And since I'm already correcting myself here, uh, just a completely different thing, I was actually referring, and I don't know if it's going to be in this episode or was in the last episode, I don't quite remember, but I was referring to the Venezuelan exodus as the second largest um, migrant crisis in modern history right after the Syrian refugee crisis. Well, 
the Ukraine war has yeah. shaken this up a little bit and sadly taken the crown for itself. So it's let's just update that. It's still a pretty big crisis that we're facing, but the Ukraine sadly is, I think, now the biggest one. The Ministry of the Interior suspended a decree which established certain norms in the new migration law. That was a little bit tough for me to wrap my head around. But, okay, here's what I understood. So one of the norms that basically the retraction of this decree basically uh, takes out of commission here is that the immigrants that have entered the country officially, quote-unquote, legally, I try not to use the word legal, illegal, I don't like that, but let's say they... Basically, if they enter the country regularly before March 18th, 2021, but they still have an irregular status, they have 180 days to apply for temporary residency without being sanctions. sanctioned. Man. And another one is that people who enter the country regularly after March 18th, 2021, but have their visa expired due to the closing of the borders because of COVID-19, they will have to pay a fine online and request a new visa. Now, as I said, like the Ministry of the Interior suspended this decree, who basically what basically uh, gives um, power to these two norms. Now, my guess is, and please feel free to correct me if you know any better, but my guess is that this decree also affects the part in which migrants have to request a permit in their country of origin. And by suspending it, it, w it would allow migrants to enter the country regularly and thus takes, take a bit of pressure off the situation, you know? Because right now, as you remember from the last episode, I think, like, a lot of these migrants that are at the border right now, like, even if they wanted to enter legally, they couldn't enter legally because they do not carry this permit that they would have needed to request with the Chilean consulate in the home country, they don't have this with, uh, this with them. So basically what they just do is they try to look for a way to enter illegally. So if that's what's happening right now, which I, I'm not 100% sure about, but that would kind of make sense because they could just come into the country legally and just a lot less of a shit show, <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. Moving on, let's talk about some a couple of things that I would like to call public service announcements. <laughs> PSA news. A couple of small things you guys might use for might find useful. First off, uh, if you haven't heard yet, Netflix <laughs> launched a pilot project in Chile, Costa Rica and Peru, but I think they've expanded it to other countries now, which will slap the owner of an account with a surcharge if they share their account with people that do not live in the same place as they do. And I guess how they can tell this is probably by looking at the IP address. All right, so on Tuesday, March 17th, the nationwide vaccination campaign against the flu has begun. It will run until May 16th, and the vaccination is free if you belong to the target group of the campaign, which means this includes, one, people 65 years or older, two, people with chronic illnesses between 11 and 65 years, three, pregnant people at any stage of pregnancy, four, children from the age of six until the Quinto Basico. I never know, I could never wrap my head. How old are you when you were in the Quinto Basico class? Well, I got held back a year, so I have no idea. No, no, no. Um, Quinto Basico, 12? Yeah, okay. okay. I'll, take, I'll, I'll roll that. So, yeah, if you're between 6 and 12-ish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're in Quinto Basico, like, you're not eligible anymore. So, 5, it also includes employees of uh, the preschool. <laughs> employees of the preschool and the school system, also until Quinto Basico. So, basically, also until that class basically if you teach that class six poultry and pig farm workers which i thought was interesting because they probably want to uh, they want to prevent another pork or avian flu from forming here in chile which is interesting thing and seven of course it also includes healthcare workers 
Uh, the Ministry of Health says that you can also even get the COVID booster shot and the flu vaccine shot on the same day, but just try to use different arms. <laughs> and that's not even metaphorically. It's just like just get one shot on one arm and the other shot on the other arm. But it's a thing you can do. You don't have to wait. So that's cool. You can get it in, in both in the same arm and tell us what happens. <laughs> exactly. If you turn green, who knows? All right. Another thing worth mentioning is that on Saturday, April 2, April 2nd, we are going back to winter time. So basically turn your clocks back by one hour on Saturday night, just when the clock is about to strike midnight and you are about to turn into a pumpkin. All right, one more thing, falling under the PSA category, on March 24th, the reformed consumer law came into effect, which extends the legal warranty on products by three more months to six months in total. You should know about this because if you purchased a product as of that day, like the product has to be made no earlier than March 24th. So in case that you purchased a product that is damaged, doesn't do what it's supposed to do, or was just not the product that you ordered, like then the consumer has a total of six months not three months anymore, but six months to require the provider to either repair the product, change it, or refund the money paid. Right now, some products like electronics they need to be checked first by an authorized technical service, whatever. But after that, the consumer can pick one of these three choices. So, people know your rights. You can do this. All right. So, what's more on the news docket here now? Karen Rojo. Mayor of Antofagasta between 2021 20, no, hold on, 2012 and 2020 made a run for it after the Supreme Court rejected her appeal on a technicality and upheld the original prison sentence from January 18th, 21, of five years prison, right, for embezzling 24 million Chilean pesos, which is about $30,800. Not that much, but then still a good chunk of money. For like small municipality, I guess that is, yeah. yeah. I don't, know, I don't know. I guess like when, like when I hear about embezzlement in Chile, it's just like millions and millions and millions of dollars. You like, you know, like Paco Gate and you know all these kind of things. So yeah, there's a lot of yeah. It's, it's like, usually we see how much money apparently allegedly Lavin stole from the last con this thing. Oh yeah, you saw that meme that I sent you. Oh yeah, <laughs> everything. <laughs> well, anyway, let's get to that later. So Karen Rojo, she used the funds that were orig originally meant to subsidize local schools and the mu municipal health, it was, which it makes it even worse. It was just like, it was not funds to just, I don't know, build roads or whatever. It was like, no, it was to subsidize education and help sick kids. <laughs> like, you couldn't have picked a worse fund to embezzle here. So she used that money to pay um, Jose Miguel Izquierdo, who is the owner of the consulting firm Main Communications, in order to ensure her 2016 re-election as a mayor of Antofagasta. Now, after it became known that the court upheld the decision, she got on, she got a last-minute ticket with Caleb to Amsterdam on Thursday early in the morning for more than a million pesos and hightailed it. Which is funny enough, I just my wife just told me that's the same flight that my wife's aunt and uncle were on like the other day, so they were probably on the same flight as like Karen Rojo. So yeah, the Netherlands they don't have an extradi extradition treaty with Chile, but Interpol Interpol has already issued an arrest warrant for her. So okay. I'm going to address the elephant in the room here, here. Like, how come she didn't have, I don't know how you say this in Spanish, like in English, the orden de arraigo. Like, how was she even supposed, how could she leave the country? She had a trial. Like, she was, there was a trial running with her as the main suspect. Yeah. Like, how could she even leave? The, why was she not blacklisted? Because, well, I actually looked this up. So, oh. 
uh, and asked around. So apparently it's not implicit that you have an orden de arraigo if you're being if you're being investigated. Mm, a good. judge has to, uh, the um, the uh, what's this called um, the other counsel has to push for it to be put um, into put into effect. Yeah. The judge has to decide whether you have an orden de arraigo or not. Yeah. And apparently it just never came up during the during yeah. this. Yeah, they usually do this, especially when it comes to like, you oh, know, yeah. uh, like uh, and also when it comes to okay, now we're like, you know, here's the sentencing, yeah. you know. And also, I heard something on the radio today. Somebody was talking about like derecho de fuga. That apparently, like, I, I don't know how if I get, should take this like literally because like apparently, so basically, people have the right condemned people. <laughs> Oh no! Funny not say condemned, but uh, how do you say the convicted, convicted people? Like convicts would have the right to flee, which is like really that sounds kind of weird. All right, moving on to a few more, uh, two more light-hearted news items here. Now, some of you might have known that you can request a lot of certificates digitally with the Registro Civil here. <laughs> One of them is your birth certificate, which is actually something that I love about the administration system here. Like, whereas in my home country, you just have to still just go to the the, the the bureau, the office, whatever you want to call it, and just like, okay, like yeah, I want this certificate. So I come back in a week and pay in cash, and oh, God, it's just such a drag. You can just like order shit online. You get it instantly if need to be. You pay with credit card. It's just, wow. Do they have, over there in Germany, do they have like a guy like in the back room just like writing everything? Dude, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'm not even kidding. We still use fax machines. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it really speaks volume about the state of digitalization in that country, but okay. So yeah, one of the things that you can order online here digitally is your birth certificate. Now, the Registro Civil has now added the option that if you want to get your birth certificate, you can also ask for your astral chart for mere 1,970 pesos extra, <laughs> which is great. And this also caused, as you can imagine, a lot of hubbub on social media. I mean, not only memes, but also very harsh criticism, as this was actually seen as the state basically legitimizing pseudoscience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can see that. I can see that is kind of, yeah, you don't want to get involved with that. Like, you want to, you know, do the right thing there. I mean, eh. Another thing that might lift your spirits is that 67-year-old Ezequiel Hinojoso, he was in for a big surprise when he found his late father's savings book and took it to the bank to see how much was on there. Turns out it was more than a billion pesos hold on let me say this again a billion chilean pesos you can can see my pinky to the corner of my mouth now which is about uh 1.3 million dollars which is for one person substantial so his father his father to stay with the austin power powers theme he opened his savings account with the so-called asociación y préstamo libertad in 1973 with a mere 138.44 pesos on it i did not put this to the inflation calculator. Calculator. I would have. I would. That would have been interesting to see how much that's worth now. But I mean, it's definitely not a billion pesos. I think most inflation calculations for Chilean pesos is only up to like eight years. Ah, okay. So yeah, but you know, like 100, 140,000 pesos now. It's it's okay. But back 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 then, that was quite a bit. You know. Now, Hebe just put it on the saving account and basically the compound interest just did its thing then and it just was left there to its own devices. So he was just like, how much is on there? Oh, it was like about a billion pesos. He was like, all right. So from what I understand, like this was a state-run organization that no longer exists. Feel free to correct me. And it's up to the 
government now to pay out its owner. Now, Mr. Hinojoso did have a little tete-a-tete with Finance Minister Mario Marcel, who in turn will also have to consult with President Boric. But he also told Mr. Hinojoso that, look, if they will have to pay, they will pay, you know. Now, the final decision is to be made on April 4th. And when asked about his plans, Mr. Hinojoso said that he will probably use the money to open up his own little driving school of <laughs> outside of Santiago. No big plans. She's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to open my little shop there and be a happy little puppy. So, well, he got my fingers crossed. I hope he gets the money. But I, uh, but I also get if the government be like, that wasn't part of the budget. <laughs> like, where are we going to get this money from now? <laughs> well, they can take it from yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> like, yeah, just take it out of the education and the health budget. How about that? Or maybe they could just call up Karen Rojo for help. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> you know, just come back as an assessoria, like a consultant. Exactly, we're going to hire you again. All right, people. So that was the news for today, and now we're going to continue with part two about that big old dumpster fire up there in the north of Chile with the migration crisis. Okay, everybody, welcome back. This is part two of us talking about the migration crisis in the north of Chile. Um, before we get started, we want to encourage you guys all to join our Patreon um, at either the $5 level or the $10 level. I know you're getting really tired of us hearing it, but it really helps us. It supports the podcast. If you like us, you want to hear more from us. Uh, you want to get episodes early. You want to get into events for free. You want to get merch. It's all there, my friend. That's if right. you want a community of people you can chat with on Discourse, it's up there. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say yeah. about it. Lenny, give take us, it away, bro. Give us money. Make us rich. Give, give. Patreon dollar bills. <laughs> I'm going to buy my own the, island with that. The page, Patreon doesn't actually give you dollars. They just give you Patreon bills that you can only spend on Patreon. Well, and then go. I'm going to buy a Patreon island and... Yeah, we'll figure and something we're going to be patrons to the Patreon island. See, see, with the patrones. Is, see, just this is how it works. Easy as that. All right. Yes, easy peasy. Okay, let me just jump into part two of the topic that we're discussing, which is the migration crisis up there in the north, close mm -hmm. to the town of Colchain. Colchain. Sir Edwin Colchain. Sir Edwin Colchain of Richtenshire. Richtenshire. <laughs> So as in part one, we talked about the timeline of events, the general causes of this whole thing, like what's going on in the subcontinent and why here and what the hell is going on. And so just in case you haven't really followed the news by now, you should know what is going on. And now we're taking a closer look as to why this happened and what are the problems that are already here and that might surface later on. So. Let me start with one point that you actually also, I think you also have a couple of things to say about this, Bethany, which is the, the promise of the democratic responsibility visa. So as we mentioned in part one of this uh, episode, Piñera literally invited Venezuelans to come to Chile. And as a consequence, this government created the, the so-called democratic responsibility visa, which grants mm -hmm. Venezuelans a temporary residency for up to a year. Although I looked right. a little, I looked into the requirements. I mean, they're still massive, to be honest. Like you have to submit a lot of paperwork. Like I wouldn't even know how where to get half of those from. I don't I mean, quite remember what it was, but 
we it's talked about like, this. Yeah, uh, it's not easy peasy. No, I mean, we talked about this last episode in part one about how, you know, people are, will, you know, bitch and moan about like, oh, but the immigration so easy. I mean, even though there is this like easy earth track for people from Venezuela, it's still not easy. Immigrating is difficult and it yeah. costs money it. and it yeah. takes access to um, knowing somebody here to help you find a place. I mean, just trying to rent an apartment, rent a room, get a job, all of these things, there are factors in Chile that just make it incredibly difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, so there's two things, there's two aspects here we can talk about one in which it is easier for Venezuelans than most other people, but it's still, still fucking hard. Yeah. Right. So and imagine also, I mean, if you're Haitian, right. Right. And what I meant is also like this, it's, it's not like it's enough to just raise your hand, say, Hey, I'm Venezuelan. Here's my passport. Give me, give me oh, the no. visas. It's just like, no, 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 we need this paperwork and this certificate. And like, you must not have committed a crime and I don't have a hand. Have no, it's just right. a lot of things that you need to prove in order to apply for the visa. And here's the kicker. So it pretty much looks like a fast track to residency, but so far only 14% of these visa applications have been granted. And on top of that, on top of that, amidst the pandemic, the granting of the visas has also been paused, which I think is what happened yeah. in November 2020, when more than 91,000 open application processes have just been closed. You know? Hey, that's me. That's me right there. Yeah, I think no, I, I think mean, they were only talking about the social, the democratic responsibility the, visa. Oh. I, I think so, but yeah. Well, all, all I'm trying to say is I have been in Tramite with my visa for over two and a half years. Yeah. So and no, no, so I'm I'm just saying like no, no, but they I, from what I understood, like these things have been closed, just like rejected. Thanks, sorry. Rejected? Bye. Yeah. Rejected much. or like they just closed the file to get to it later. As far as I understand, okay, I might be wrong here. Just call me out if you know better. But I understood that it was closed and canceled and that's it, you know? So I don't think so. Because as far as what I know from my visa mm -hmm. process is when you are rejected for your visa, you can reapply. So unless they like have like a special type of response to their specific visa, because there's no... They, there's not anything in the Chilean visa rules that are like that I know of. I mean, I could, I could be wrong. You guys reach out to me. That's like... You're rejected, leave. It's like you're rejected, refile this thing right, or but, reapply for this thing. Right, right. No, no, I get what you mean. But here's the thing. Like, let's say they closed it. They rejected this whole thing, but you're already on your way here. And then all of a sudden you find yourself at the border and they won't let you in because in order to apply for this visa, you need to actually ask for a permit ah. at the Chilean consulate in your country. And oh, yeah, Venezuela yeah. First, and they're just because, like, uh, yeah, what do you want to do? Right. That was no. the new the new law, right? Because yeah. it's sort of like there's actually, these things happening and overlapping. Yeah, actually, what I've read is apparently because, yes, this is part of the new migration law. But apparently this rule has been already been in effect for Venezuelans, particularly since 2019, from what I've so read. They've always had to apply from outside. Well, not always, but for a longer time than that. I like, meant, okay, like, if, if you're Venezuelan, right. that, like, please correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've read here. So that, that means like that, that, of course, does not only affect people that were like, encouraged by Pineda's invitations to just, you know, up and leave and find themselves a new home. And that leaves them now without recourse. It also means that a lot of spouses and children that seek to reunite mm -hmm. with their families in Chile that arrived before the immigration got policy got more strict. And in the wake of the pandemic, they are not now deprived of any legal means to enter the country and try right. and now so try now, to enter so the country here. regularly because also, sorry, because also like 
um, as of March 2020, due to the pandemic, a lot of border checkpoints just have been closed. So they like have no other means than just to hop the fence, so to speak. You know? Yeah. I mean, okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. So there's one, like you, you did everything you were supposed to do to get your legal residence in Chile. You arrive and maybe you do have your legal residence initially, and then it gets rejected and you have no way to reapply because if you have to apply via outside, then how do you reapply when you're within the country? Right. Also, like, how do you get a job? How do you yeah. how do you do or, what all of the, right. the Chileans even, are demanding you to do if there are no within. ways to do it? I mean, not even within. You probably have to just like even if you're at the border of Bolivia, Chile, you basically have to hike back to Venezuela just to just not on the door of the Chilean consulate just to get the, the consulate. Yeah. And the, it, and as we talked about in part one, just the clusterfuck that was the pandemic in general, because the thing was, is the borders of Chile, like. The borders of Chile were closed. You could not leave. It did not matter if you were Chilean, Venezuelan. Yeah. It did not matter. You were not allowed to leave. So let's mm. say you were here I mean, there were exceptions, illegally. But, yeah. I mean, there was I mean, there were exceptions, but that was usually the exceptions for people with resources mm. who I don't know. Like it was a weird situation. There were a lot of people that were like, "Oh, I have to leave because um, my mental health needs to go, which legitimate reason, your mental health, blah, blah, blah. But there are people, I'm, I'm trying to say, is there people that sort of took advantage of that? Oh, I know a couple to get of to leave? those people. <laughs> yeah. And then there were people who legitimately needed to leave who got rejected. Yeah. Being, I wanted to return to my own country because I'm Venezuelan was not a reason they were going right, to let you right. leave. That's a, that's a whole especially, different can of worms, actually. Yeah, especially if you were one of those people. I mean, we were talking about it last time. If you were one of those people who got stranded in Chile and were camping outside the consulate, how do you even know what's happening? How do you even know what your rights are to, oh, I can apply, but where am I going to apply? I don't have a phone. I don't have internet access. I don't know that there's this rule. I'm not reading the news every day. I don't have Mm. access to that. Right. I didn't know that I could just be like, oh, my Nana from my fourth cousin is sick and I must leave, you know, like, I don't know. Not again. I, um, I, I, I understand people needed to leave for legitimate reasons and everything. I'm just saying like, it's, it's kind of sucks that it's, it's privilege, right? The, the, yeah. priv- the privilege is very evident there. Yeah. So whichever we all got privilege. So I definitely have mine. So anyway, Oh, I got mine all over the place. I mean, come on, look at you. <laughs> look at me baby <laughs> look at you white yeah. man over there all right white european like, man i'm like privilege discount warehouse over here come and get your privilege yo <laughs> and you're tall god dang it <laughs> god dang it so that's the thing about the democratic responsibility visa you'd like to add something to that oh go yeah, move on. okay cool so another thing that i've noticed is that and another even, thing. And another thing that I've noticed is, and that was even before this whole new migration law came into effect, that Chile has been, especially like in the wake of this mass immigration event, has been treating immigration as a matter of order and security more than a matter of of what it actually is, which is a humanitarian crisis. You know what I mean? Yes, please. Is is that because okay? So. I say this with all of the reality of that. It's true that Chile is like the little brother of the U S like it was formed in the U S's image. I mean, and I say this as it is a historically accurate thing to say, um, is that because they relate that in the way that the U S sees 
Um, security, like border security and things like that, because... I think it has more to do with some... Actually, I was going to get to that in the next point, but let me just advance that. I think it has to do with the the old immigration law from uh, 1970. The old immigration law? Yeah, it was from 1970-something, so which already tells you that was actually made under the... That was uh, signed into law under the Pinochet regime. So basically... the dick. Yeah, the dick regime. The dick. They signed it with a dick's. Right. They so, it, probably yeah. would not be surprised. <laughs> yeah. If your dick's in ink. Oh, geez, I don't even, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it wouldn't sting that bad. Yeah. I don't know, but like, it's very keep, keep going. Keep going. I so, guess, yeah. Like now I, ca- I can't get this picture out of my head. So yeah, I think that, that is, that is one of the main reasons here because that law was a bit more focused on uh, national security, like getting Allende followers out and getting, you know, like undesirables out, desirables in pretty much, or basically keep everybody yeah. out who's not desirable. So that but was the, more of a state security issue. But I if it was, but okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But also, again, this was the time in which, are there any historians out there that can get, fill us in on this? I'd be super interested. That was also the time in which we are seeing like the Chicago boys and all these things happening with the U.S. literally experimenting in Chile with how things should work, how the U.S. wanted things to work in the U.S. And mm-hmm. so they sent things here to see how they would work here. So it's also possible that the U.S. was like pushing for certain types of immigration policies yep. that they could then implement in the future. I mean, I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, but mm-hmm. it is something to point out because yeah. that's one reason the Constitution and a lot of the laws exist here that they do is because they were literally written by people who studied in the U.S. Mm-hmm. for the yeah. U.S. I think, <laughs> so- that's abs- I think that's absolutely possible. I have no way of, you know, confirming this, but and I mean, legit to me. piggybacking onto that sort of like whole security thing, like a lot of the... Uh, racism in the U.S. that comes is like, oh, everybody's bringing their delinquency and their drugs into the U.S. for people, and blah, and that exact same discourse is here. Like, oh, the Colombians are here bringing their cocaine, or Venezuelans are here becoming drug yeah, dealers, and like, there's more but violence. That's, and but that's the blah, discourse blah, blah. in there, every country who has it, experienced I mean, massive is it because I'm yeah I'm, yeah I mean okay, I, I think so, because it was the same in in Germany where we had like the refugee the okay. Syrian refugee crisis in 2015. Because I oh, just them know Arabs, again, them the Yeah, I only know the U.S. and Chile. And like I said, sometimes there's so much overlap there that I don't know if that's just U.S.-Chile shit going down or if that's people just being xenophobic assholes. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I think it's just like this, the psychological reaction of people having to deal with a lot of change very quickly. So, yeah, I digress. So basically, as soon as it became evident that the situation on the northern border could like evolve into something more problematic than it was in the very beginning, the government has so far been mostly conspicuous by its absence like nothing really has happened but then when it did take action it was not about processing and redirecting the flow to the best of its abilities like integrating the immigrants and everything but rather trying to build a dam so to speak to stop the flow by deploying stricter border control measures and deterrence methods such as uh, mass deportations which i think like took place already in in august 2020 you know build the walls so so yeah so like this has actually been one of the major criticisms of the government's performance because they did not heed the recommendations by specialized international organizations as how to handle the situation. And they treated the issue as a matter of order and security, as already said, instead of seeing it for what it is, a humanitarian crisis, you know, the government. That's that's literally, that's like so chilly, I can't even like, 
like the like the entire like thing that the new government wants to do is like reform what the carabineros are because the whole point of the carabineros is security it's not like to protect and serve as we would say in like the u.s it's from keep everything secure keep the building secure keep this in which that mindset does affect how you treat your citizens right i mean it makes perfect sense because it's also like a vestige of the of the pinochet dictatorship you know I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, in that in that mindset, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So the, the, the zeitgeist, you know. I mean, it, it's in again. My brain is just going to like what happened. I get. I, I apologize. I understand. This is very like ethnocentric of me to be like the U.S. But again, I'm from there. I live here, so it's gonna come up. It's just yeah, like the, the whole thing. like. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole like build a wall thing that Trump said, and then gasps who lost the election. Like he was going to do a reverse wall. He wanted to build like a ditch to keep people from coming in. And it's like, I thought we decided this didn't work. (laughs) I thought we we decided that this was a dumb thing to do. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) Why? Yeah, actually, good thing you just mentioned that because the government also operated mostly under the assumption that more obstacles will deter new arrivals. You know, and as you just said, like this assumption has been proven wrong time and time again. And instead, it has been widely recognized that the migration flows are almost un- as uncontrollable as a as national disaster. No, I don't want to call it national disaster. It's a national phenomena, let's see. Like migration flows, yeah. it's something that happens. You cannot really control it. Migration can steer has it. never not happened. Right. Since you, we have had human, we used to be yeah. literally, we used to be like, what were they called? Little migrants, how to get, how to gather to, us. No, yeah, well, we used to be, what yeah. are they called? What's the word in English? Nomads. We're, no bads, there you go. Like wigwams. Yeah. No, that's that's what oh, they built. Wombats? <laughs> I don't know. Something. <laughs> we used to all be wombats. And it was I so much be better. So cute. No. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, like, that's what we like, it's in our DNA, like, I don't know, to like go to the safer place to figure out what to do to our families. Like it, it's since humankind has existed, like. There are not a lot of things on a sociological level that has existed in every culture, but right. I mean, migrating could, and getting you, to a safer place has almost existed in every culture. Right. I mean, you can you can definitely steer and try to redirect a little bit the the the, migra- the flow of migrants. I mean, the same way that you would like steer and right, redirect a river, but it's really hard, if not impossible, to dam this up because you know where there's a will, there's a way. And also, I mean, you have to consider that a lot of these people. Like especially the ones that, that come from the worst possible circumstances that say, hey, Haiti or, or Syria, they go like, well, fuck it, I'm out of here, you know? It's like, okay, yeah. I, I'm going to try it anyway because it can't really get much worse than this. Exactly. <laughs> so like exactly. I have really no place to go. So I'm just going to keep on trying, you know? And that, that uh, that's something that people apparently like a lot of government don't really understand. So in, in ter- like you think we would. These, it's yeah. been long enough, you guys. It's been, it's been the history of humankind. Let's figure right. out a better way to to do this like let there's there's got to be a better way than treating people like shit you know right (laughs) the bar is real low on how to improve on this let's not put people in cages and burn the children's things okay and so what the Chilean government has done so far is as i said like they've like doubled down on the border control but what and let's let's specify that this is up to now pineda's government we're just now starting bordichu's government so let's not Let's let's yeah yeah. This. I think Boris already so sent the, I think Boris already sent the tanks up to the. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, hey, we have other things about Boris to talk about. Updates since two days ago when we far, first first parted. Yeah. What first started this, this conversation? This? 
Oh, yeah, let's let's wait. To, huh? We can I guess bring it up now, or do you do you think there's an easier place to bring it up? Okay, I'm just bringing it up now, right now, you guys. Okay, so fine, Lenny fine. and I are both quite confused about what's happening right now with the state of exception in the north because it has been renewed under Boric's government, but Boric's government said that it wouldn't be renewed. So we're not quite sure. And they said they wouldn't renew it again. So we're not quite sure what's happening. Maybe we're just dumb and can't understand what's going on. Um, We can speculate. But what I think is probably that vote was already sort of in its way, like on its way from Pineda's desk to get voted on by the time Boric got into office. And so they couldn't really stop it. Yeah, I still have no idea what's going on. I mean, I guess by the time that this comes out. So what we're trying to say is we have no idea what's going on, but the state of emergency has been extended, but the Boric administration says they're not going to extend it again once it expires because they're only a certain amount of days. But either we're completely dumb here or it's really confusing and all the right-wing conservatives are going to be like, see, I told you this was going to happen. You know? Right. So we have no idea what's going on. Um, we're glad you tuned in for all of our insights. <laughs> so We do then, know that there is a state of emergency yeah, that is that's starting again. On. That's what we know. So and circling that they back, said not do back it to again, what again. I said before there, so it's like the Chilean government basically since early 2020 put all their, basically all the chips on stricter border controls. And what happens there, if anything, like, these stricter border controls uh, cause a so-called balloon effect is what it's called. So basically this forces migrants to take an even more dangerous routes to find alternative points of ingress. Yeah, because they're still going to try. Like They're not going to be like... Case in point, they doubled down in Colchane and then basically this redirected the migration flow to this little border town called uh, Oyawe, which is uh, 300 kilometers further down south, you know? Oh, yeah. We, as they would say, in Mexico. (laughs) <laughs> yeah Get that it. was that was happened and also there's another nasty side effect to this whole like doubling down of border controls because it absolutely enables human trafficking because there's going to yeah. be a demand for human trafficking you you have these so-called coyotes who are yeah charging you 200 300 which doesn't maybe not sound a lot to us but to you know some poor sod who's coming all the way from venezuela haiti colombia who spent most of their savings already. That's a lot like, of money. Yeah. And it's Especially not guaranteed that, that yeah. they get in. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah, like there's a because refund. Then they're scam- like you have to Hello, like- customer service. I do get a grocery right. No, know? that is a, a very dark joke. But though, since there's no customer service in this country, it's like, welcome to Chile. Yeah. No customer service here either. <laughs> yeah, I can't get any better. So now, uh, so as I said, like basically there was like this, this, balloon effect that basically sent migrants from one point to another but even after the deployment of the armed forces to the border of Cochin in September last year there were like testimonials of the military being absolutely overwhelmed and unable to control the influx of migrants so even while they sent the military to the border they couldn't even just handle all the inflow there so I got okay but I gotta say one thing apparently there was the measure seemed to have worked to a certain degree if the regional Measures. governor of which which after Antofagasta, yeah, if, if the if the regional governor of Antofagasta is to be believed, because apparently he observed fewer crossings in Oyawe after the implementation of the state of emergency in February. But I'm not sure how much I buy into it because that seems mostly apocryphal to me. You know, I mean there have been conflicting accounts there, that is to be expected. But I think if you just look at the big numbers, um, it just didn't really work out the way that they planned it. So, yeah. okay, so there's like some discrepancies between what he's been saying and what's happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think he also sort of had an agenda. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but 
you know, also like he's. I mean, like, everybody, I everybody got an agenda. It's like okay, well, you've been there for one day. You've yeah, but also like whole... yeah, if your motivation for wanting to keep the the carabineros in the north right. is saying this is working, yeah, of course, because say, then yeah. you would say it, even if it's not working, because you prefer the hard hand yeah. over the soft touch. Yep. What? Mm, um, <laughs> caress. Um, yeah. So, okay. And, okay. Okay. And one more thing. I mean, let's not forget that actually one of the main reasons all of these illegal border crossing is, is the fact that a lot of border checkpoints are just simply closed for business. You know, the checkpoint of Colchana has been opening and shutting down a bunch of times for the last few months. And even Colchana's mayor pleaded with the authorities to just reopen the border conflict complex once and for all so that the immigrants would at least be able to enter the country legally and therefore be registered in the system. You know, it exactly. was just open, shut, open, shut, open, shut. Like nobody, nobody knew what was going on. Everybody was like, everybody's doing what they want. And we, and we don't know why it's been, it's been fluctuating like that. Yeah. It's, I think I have, I don't know for sure, but what I read into this was that apparently the border, the checkpoint was just absolutely overwhelmed with uh, demand. So at some point, so like, they were we like, just, not my job. We, yeah, we just so can't handle long. this anymore. And they just like, shut the border, assuming. <laughs> I mean, that, that is a, again, that is something that happens just, like, turn here. around, be like, okay, fine, fuck it, we go back home. You know? On, that, but that's also a very, it's something that happens here in Chile a lot in a, in a protest. Like, we're overwhelmed. I'm not fucking doing this anymore. Like, what was it during, during COVID, during when we had the peak about a month and a half ago, two months ago? Yeah. There was so many things for like nurses to do that nurses were just like, fuck it, and like walking out. Yeah. And because they because they were they were so overwhelmed and it was like provoking violence, like people couldn't get into the yeah. hospitals. And so they're being violent against like nurses and people working in the hospitals. And nurses were like, fuck this. I'm out. So, I mean, if the same thing is happening, <laughs> well, the, the nurses border, were just like, sense. hell, yeah, I've been looking for a way to vent my stress. <laughs> Bring it. bitch. And, I mean, <laughs> pay nurses more every single yeah, every single per, every single country. I don't care how much you're paying them, pay them more. Yeah, it's a thing that's like pay the doctors less than nurses yeah. more. <laughs> Apparently not in Sweden and Norway because apparently they do everything right. I don't know what's going on there, but like apparently I mean Norway they could probably still their... pay their nurses more. Yeah, they could give them a little more, give them a nice little bonus. Yeah, well they had it. They could pay podcasters more too. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know us. We are our, our job super hard. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hey, I put a lot <laughs> I of. I mean, unpaid labor is hard. So <laughs> that's true. true that. If you love us, join our Patreon because we can do have more time to spend on research. Yeah, right? and my money just unpaid time is bikes. harder than paid time for research. Yeah, so, but we love you guys either way. Either way, if you listen, if you don't have the means, we understand not everybody has the means to like give five bucks a month for like a Patreon. We love you anyway. Podcasting but you know free, who you are. Podcasting is a free, uh, free accessible Enterprise. medium for a reason, and free accessible mediums are important. There's right. my soapbox. Okay, Getting cool. back down. I'm gonna wash my hands with that soap. Let's do this. Everybody wash your hands COVID. Okay. Now let me talk about a little bit about the problems with the application of that new migration law that passed recently. So as oh, I mentioned triggering. before, the new migration law replaces the old law, 1094, which is a holdover from the Pinochet regime, which mainly aimed to preventing the entry of undesirable elements quote unquote, into the country and expending Allende's followers, you know. And it, as I said, also, it was more elements. focused. I love that term. It's just so smooth. So it was more focused on the issue of national security than humanitarian How did you get in if they, didn't want, if they wanted undesirable elements? How'd you get in? I'm totally desirable. 
I'm white, male, okay. tall, and European. There you go. It's terrible. Yeah. It is as it is. It's terrible to say, but yep. it is what it is. Right. So one of the tenets of this new law um, is actually that it actually decriminalizes illegal immigration. I, I was kind of I was kind of surprised to to read that. It sounds good, but but here's the thing. And now, now little CMA, I'm not a lawyer, so I might miss out on some of the finer points here. But he sells is, soda. Yeah, I'm a soda lawyer, small town pizza lawyer. So, so here's what I understood. So under the old law, as well as the new one, actually, in theory, you could enter the country illegally and then make your way to the next border control point and turn yourself in. And in theory, they should then be ta- you, you should then be taken to the next sanitary residence during the COVID pandemic, of course, where they have, have you quarantined for a, while they, for a while. And in the meantime, they sort out your stati- status as a refugee. You know, sure. and after that, in theory, you'd be free to travel within inside the borders of Chile and lead a happy life and whatever. Now, what I've heard is that since the new law kind of decriminalized illegal immigration, apparently it mm. takes away the need of for due process in a certain for, for uh, in a certain sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. it is suspected that if they turn themselves in and admit to illegal entry, the courts might actually use this as the reason to justify expulsion. You know, yeah, that makes sense because if you if you if it's criminal, you have the right to due process right. under under criminal law. But if it's which is why in the U.S. Uh, there are not the only reason, but that's why a lot of people stay in jail at the border for so long mm-hmm. is because they have the right to due process. Well, so for example, a really famous example right now is the girl from Inventing Anna, Anna, I think it's called. Anna. Inventing Anna. It's like a new Anna series on Netflix. Sorkin, what's her face? She just got extradited yeah. to Germany, no? Well, she's about to get deported. So, right. like, she's a really famous series anyway. Like, right now, she's currently, she was in prison. She got released from prison. And then she got put back in jail on the border to wait for her trial to get deported. Because they can't just deport her and send her back to Germany. They, she has the right, hooray, to stay in jail for another year, two years until she gets, yep. until she can get a judge to say if she's been there legally or not. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's the thing. Like neither here nor there. Like you, it's here. You can't just expel people willy nilly. There's a process to it. Mm-mm. You know. I mean, first, at least here in Chile, there's a written. You receive a written notice. Then if you don't comply there, then there, then there's a monetary fine. And as a last resort, there's the expulsion. Like what the government has been doing so now, it's just like we don't like unless don't they like don't the let you through the border. This is this is once you get through the border, though, because for example, they can expel you in the airport, for example. Ah, okay, gotcha. Is it then still okay, part because, of the expulsion or I don't know what the terminology, but yeah. for example, like this the, you're not uh you don't have the right to that kind of due process until you're on Chilean soil which is through the border right and so um this for airports it's a little bit more complex because you literally have that like PDI line so what they have been doing specifically for Haitians because i think that they like took away the Haitian visa at some point in like 2019 mm-hmm. there were a lot of Haitians already on their way they'd get stopped at the airport and then like kept at the airport for X amount of hours to see if they really were there legally or illegally or trying to come in on a tourist visa. I think they took their tourist visas away and then they would just pop them right back on a plane and send them back. 
same thing here when a lot of people tried to come into Chile without the correct vaccinations or without XYZ that they their insurance people have been turned away from Chile. I was almost turned away from Chile and I'm a resident here. Oh, wow. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, so like what? I can't imagine that was fun. I mean, oh, it was not at all fun. At I all. got my place. But, I got um, my work here. I got. I, I, need I to get my back. my home is here. My boyfriend's here. My apartment's here. I live here. My family's here. <laughs> Please let me in. Yeah. Uh, it was just a mix up, but it's like that. That's a different situation. That's sort of like at the discretion of the pedai whether they let you in or not. And then after that, yeah, you sort of and also I, begin the process again. We're not lawyers. This yeah. is just from like what we've learned on the interwebs right and this this whole this whole thing about like skipping this due process apparently they <clears throat> also did this before the whole new migration law became came into effect it's not like they were you know people they were reading their so to speak miranda rights before they kicked them out of the country they were just like going right. for it you know and you know from from what i've read so far like in especially in Cochin, it was sort of like a no gods no masters free for all situation at the border so like it's, it's so far that everybody has pretty much been doing whatever they fucking like like local authorities even mentioned that people were like coming and going as they pleased quote unquote you know and mm-hmm. added to that and as, as i um, as I mentioned, I think we mentioned it in the last episode, like the new migration law states that Chile will give a legal status only to those who got a permit from the Chilean consulate of the country of origin before March 18, 2020. So that means that people that were already on the way when the new migration law was passed are now in for a surprise once they arrive. So that's another problem with the new migration law, you know. Right. And as I also said before, from what I understand, like the requirement to obtain this special permit from the Chilean consulate has been actually a reality for Venezuelans since 2019 already, which actually back then caused a massive pileup at the Arica Tacna border back then. Because they were trying to get mm-hmm. into there and they were just like, where's a permit? And they were like, what permit are you talking about? I don't know nothing about right. no permit. So, and this, yeah, these things change so quickly. I mean, there there are still people that I see on on the Internet, on Facebook and stuff like being like, so I'm here on a tourist visa. How do I get my blah? And it's like, you can't anymore. It's been like this, you know, Your it, country you have doesn't to go back. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> very like the terminal no it's like you can't come here get a job and then apply for visa anymore like i did that i was able to do that i legally could do that you could do that but you can't anymore and so a lot of people are under this like misconception that they can come here and do that still which is really bad because like imagine you pick up your entire life you come to chile you're expecting to be able to get a contract from somebody and then apply and then you're like but my whole life's here now what ha- what do i do and it's like oh well, you got to go back to your your country of origin and apply and wait and i know you quit your job but uh you know so this also plus a tourist visas i mean i can't imagine that though i mean they might actually exclude a few countries maybe not extend you cannot on a tourist visa you cannot apply for a temporaria anymore right so basically you can come into the country on a tourist visa but if you want to apply for sujeto contrato temporary you probably have to go back to your own country just do the whole you have to apply from without your country right Right. so sorry without chile within your own country yeah so you can come here on a tourist visa you can extend your tourist visa you know um i think once Uh, i don't think all countries can do that they used to be the sneak um, trick you just hop into a bus cross the border and you can do that Mendoza. still i've been so many times to Mendoza. Like, i got sick of this town yeah but now yeah, with COVID, I mean, it's eh, you know you can't, yeah but i mean technically with tourist visas you can still like do the whole border hopping thing which i feel like almost every single immigrant has done at one <laughs> point right or another passage. in chile yeah. 
yeah, if you have not gone to Mendoza, hop the border and come right back to refresh your 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 visa. I would be Mendoza's a pretty town. I would be shocked. Also, Mendoza's awesome. It's rad. It's rad. So, anyway, so you can still do so, yeah. that, but it's harder to do now because of getting having to pay PCR. If you have to pay, you know, hundred fifty dollars for PCR in Mendoza to come back, it's like holy fuck, what the fuck? Yeah. So. And then to yeah. get another PCR, maybe. You're in I don't even know what the requirements are of the Argentinian border. Like, are they going to let you in just like that? I have no idea what it is. So, like, I'd I, rather I not hop no onto clue. a bus right now to go to Argentina just to be, you know, confronted with the surprise at the border crossing. And, no you know, thing. at any point, it doesn't seem like the, the something the Boric government would do. But at any point, they could do what they do in Europe, which is like once you outstayed your tourist visa, you have to you can't have another tourist visa for another, like, what, six months? Yeah. That's something like that in, in Europe. So like you can't just hop borders like that. So yeah. that could happen at any time. Right. So, so. Anyway. so yeah, so, but, so this requirement, to, if you want to get a, like a professional working visa that you need to apply for permit at the consulate of your country of origin before, it, that is basically a move to deter immigration. You can't tell me nothing else because it assumes then people actually can run this errand also without having to fear repercussion from, let's say, an authoritarian regime. So I don't really know what the situation in Venezuela is. So like, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I could imagine I that a lot of people be like, okay, I would go to the Chilean consulate, but I don't know what would happen to me if somebody catches me doing it. I don't, I don't know how it works over there, but. I don't think, I don't think it's, it's that kind of, intense because. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know, but it's cert- it certainly is a luxury that not everybody can afford it. Sure. Also, if you live close enough to the consulate, like imagine yeah, like, exactly. the if closest live, like, co- Chilean consulate in Village. Arkansas is like eight hours away yeah. from where I'm from. Right. So imagine yeah, like, point. so like, <laughs> I live in Santiago. I can like, worse comes to worse. I could walk four hours or two and a half hours or whatever to the, the embassy. Right. But if I lived in Colchane. The U.S. embassy <laughs> from your house, you need half an hour. I'm Come fucked. on. <laughs> Yeah. From so, my house yeah. to the to the embassy, I'd have to pass through. I'd have to go all the way through. No, it's not half an hour walking. There's no way. Because I'm Monkewe. I'd have to go Monkewe. Um Escuela Militar, Alcantara, El Golf, Tobalaba. Five metro stations. All right. Okay, fine. Fine. Maybe maybe so, maybe an hour and a half if I'm a fast walker, but I'm not. So there you go. Probably okay. eight hours. <laughs> But, <laughs> so, but yeah, but then anyway. you actually, you raised a good point. So if you live in some like really, you know, backwater village in the middle of the jungle and you go like, hey, I want to go to Chile, you have to make your, you know, your way to the capital where the next consulate is and then just apply there and then go back. It's not, it's not feasible. And on top of that, like this measure does not consider, or maybe, it, maybe that's the point. Because the, it does not consider the limited capacities that these consulates have, you know, especially when faced with a wave of applications, as it was the case in Venezuela. So there is a huge backlog right now. And many requests are just simply denied because they they can't even, you know? So Yeah, they just that, can't even. That's, that, that's another thing. Right. right. I mean, we're talking the United States is having a huge collapse. You know, one of like the most powerful countries in the world is having a huge collapse. They can't even get passports to their citizens. Like, so if you're talking about Venezuela yeah. um, with, you know, the situation that's going on there, which of course I'm not going to speak to it necessarily because I really have never been there. I don't know what the everything goes like in there, but I can imagine if the one consulate right. is being How many bombarded. How work there? Like 
five. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. And again, as we talked about, if they're anything like Chileans, they'd be like, fuck this. And just walk yeah. out. Did too much shit. I'm not going to die. I'm get paid enough for this it's shit. Just like- it's not my job. Bob, your quota for today is to process at least 1,500,000 visa requests. Where like, Bob go? He's on his five. third his, he's on his third cigarette break. He needs more cigarettes now. Yeah. It's like twitching so, already. Right. Oh god. All right. Another thing that is problematic right now with this whole situation is that according to the declaration of Cartagena from 1984, Venezuelans are actually to be considered and granted refugee status. But many of the continent's countries, including Chile, don't really comply. I mean, you just have to look at the expulsion of migrants from Iquique on September 24th last year to see that this is true. Like, they were not considered refugees that they should have been, according to the Declaration of Cartagena. So the Jesuit Migrant Service, they have their concerns about, like, how this new law, about this new law, and they point out, that there are actually no mechanisms in place to ensure that those detainees are being proper, proper, uh, properly vetted, get the chance mm-hmm. to talk to family members that already live in Chile, or being assigned a translator in order to make sure that they fulfill all the requirements to be granted the refugee status, you know? And they also point out sure. that most of the personnel at the border is not even trained to carry out this due process. Let me just... Uh, I mean... Yeah. Let me just quote this oh, one thing that I read, which was, yeah, okay. that was a nice quote. It says, the legal treatment of human mobility is based on the state of emergency. The government has insisted time and time again on adopting exceptional measures when managing migration. It did so, for example, with the so-called humanitarian plan for orderly return of foreigners, which sounds so cynic, which uh, which sought to limit the rights of mi- migrants. You know, So there you have it. That's a problem in and of itself. Like These people should be granted refugee status. They're not. They're just being sent right back. And something, this is connected to something I mentioned in part one, when I mentioned, you remember when I mentioned that there is no such thing as immigration lawyers in Chile? This is very like representative of how everything works with immigration in Chile. Chile is incredibly unprepared to how for how to deal with how to to deal with immigrants how to process immigrants how to humanely communicate with immigrants. There are there's no classes, for example, my boyfriend went to like the number one school you know they always say it's either Catolica. he went to low <laughs> of, of and there are You're no classes on immigration on like the rights of immigrations you can't just be like what are my rights people don't know people at the PDI don't know your rights they yeah. and they don't care like and that's the PDI certainly hasn't been trained in it if the lawyers of the country haven't been trained in it and then we're talking about like just the influx of all of these people that want to come to Chile the extenjeria is completely underprepared oh, and the fuck. people working at the extenjeria don't know what the fuck they're doing i mean i remember personally um i had my one of my visas expired and i was i had already applied for my new visa but as you know before you can do anything, you have to have your proof of tramite, which is the proof mm-hmm. that your visa is in process. Right. But I had to leave the country because my mom died. Mm. And so I had not yet received that proof of tramite. And sometimes it can take six months for you to get that motherfucker. If you're and lucky. so I called the PDI, I called the extenderia, I did, I called the airport, I did every single thing that I knew that I could do to try to figure out like, how can I leave the country? Because something that happens in Chile is you are a, not allowed to leave Chile if you are not on regular status, if you are somehow yeah. illegally here. Like you're not allowed to leave, they just keep you here, which is like create, like it's like, can you it's let me leave? It's kind of weird, like, okay, hold on, you're illegal yeah. and they're like, don't you want to leave? And they won't let leave? you leave. <laughs> 
no. And they don't want, they, they don't let you leave. So I'm like tra- panicking, trying to figure out what to do. I even went to the extenderia and waited in line for six hours to ask somebody what to do. And they didn't know. They didn't know what to tell me. I was like, I have to leave. Like my mom, I have to leave. My mom died. I have to go. I'm not going to miss yeah. her funeral because you guys don't, you haven't given me my thing. Is there, I said, is there some special permission, something I apply for? Nobody told me literally me and my boyfriend, my boyfriend's a lawyer sat down and read the laws of Chile. And when I was supposed to leave the country, I took the laws with me to the BDI and they were like, no, you can't leave. And I was like, here's the laws. And I had to talk to like four people and they finally let me leave. But it was just like, they don't know. Literally, but there was no, there was no, like, uh, there's no education. There's no foundation for all the other things that need to happen. You have to have the foundation of the training of the knowledge of like what has to happen before you can even deal with regular immigrations and then even irregular situations that happen like me and this like I'm like I was I fell into this hole between my visa expiring and not getting my uh, confirmation of process yet. So it's like, what do you do with these these people? Right. Mm. And it, right. that that I don't know. That's like one of the most frustrating things is there's. And it's always, it's not their job. It's like, that's not my job. I don't care. Like, you know, nobody's job. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think, I think, okay, you got to consider that the Chileans economic upswing, so to speak, has been a fairly recent phenomenon, if you will, if you turn decades. So I wouldn't be surprised if basically this whole, well, the attitude, but also like the whole legislative body around migration laws, it's kind of like, humdrum like yeah like why would anybody want to come here like look it was like 1973 people wanted to leave and go like why would anybody want to look for refuge in chile and then all of a sudden chile took off economically and then they were like confronted with a whole new reality that they weren't used to because people coming here to look for a better life which they still ask us that question because again we're quote unquote good immigrants they're still like why would you come to chile and i'm like i like it here they still like but i think you're 100 percent right i think chileans who live here who grew up here chileans are very like they, they shit on chile a lot they're not yeah. like argentinians who oh, are like argentina argentina rocks if i get a nickel every time somebody chile. asks me it's like why would you why would ever you come, come to live in chile <laughs> i'd be and I'm very like, rich but i'd have a few dollars i could buy and, a beer from them let's say and the Ex- yeah, no, I could definitely buy a couple beers. It's just so many. Why would you come to Chile? Or why would you live here? And then people get even more surprised that I came and stayed before I met yes. my boyfriend. I'm like, I no, said, I met him after. I, I you came were here. Like, like, you came here for health insurance, right? Did he say that? Yeah. <laughs> I came here to marry a lawyer to take <laughs> yeah. advantage of the system. Yeah. yeah I, mean, no. I mean, that kind of speaks for itself that it's even worse in the States, dude. <laughs> but it's, oh, no. I mean, no, no, no. I'm, yeah, again. But also it's so, it's just ironic because there's all these hate on so many immigrants and every Chilean you talk to wants to go study abroad or wants to live abroad because they hate Chile. I don't know what it is. Mm. Chileans hate Chile. And every single person wants to either leave and live abroad or at least study abroad. But God forbid somebody wants to come to Chile to do the same thing because, and they will know it's It's, it's just gross. I mean, controversial opinion here but i think especially in recent years like chile has become one of the most modern countries i've known i mean they got the 
they have this uh well now with the new constitution with the parity in the oh a hundred percent they got these no plastic laws uh they had like the 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 hundred percent the the how you say the warning signs of the food packaging uh, which apparently you know, works which apparently works Spark actually I've, 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 I've saw i've saw like a, an article in germany just being like why don't we do it like this like these guys in chile over there like chile yeah. mm-hmm. you know it's there's a lot of very modern things going on here and that's feel this is getting better by the even day, a so. even, what is it even a broken clock is right twice a day or <laughs> as we say in arkansas well, no i love chile i know and really it's it's it does some honestly in recent years has been done some super super great things but at the same time there's still a very latin american slow to change in certain aspects right because i think it's almost like a growth spurt, right? When you're like a kid and you grow so fast, your clothes suddenly don't fit. I just Mom, bought I these clothes pants. two months ago, yeah. right? I just bought these clothes two months ago and they don't fit. And it's like, oh, it's great. You're growing, but now you need new clothes. You know, Mom, it's like, I need it's a new going, constitution. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's great. You know, it's the growth is not bad, but it's, you've grown out of su- certain behaviors, but it's like Chile still wants to wear those jeans that are too short because they were his favorite and they have the Ninja Turtles on them or something. So those, those rock though. I mean, who doesn't love the Ninja Turtles, right? Everybody loves the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Leonardo was the best. Come on. Don't <laughs> well, even get me you're started. You're biased. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> and he had a kick-ass katana. Come on. All there right. you go. Let me okay, let me just talk about one last point, which was also a little bit controversial. Because look. Illegal immigrants right now are supposed to be repatriated to the country through which they enter Chile, which in most cases is Bolivia, you know. However, like the Chilean government didn't really square this with mm-hmm. the Bolivian government. So the Bolivian border police, more often than not, is not even willing to take back. Well, the re- Chilean government was not you know? having diplomatic relations with the Chilean. The, on, to- oh, on, top oh, of, on top of that, which actually Boris wants yeah. to change. Yeah, Boris yeah. has just announced he's changing, making yeah. sure we have more diplomatic relations yeah, with Bolivia, sure. which for me is yeah, great. Bolivia's- yeah, Bolivia is playing hardball. Though. They were just like the the, the um, demand. The, hold on, the thing is not off the table about access to to the sea. I mean, that's been stuff. the that's been the, the thing forever for Bolivia, right? Right, right. is well, the access to the sea literally since the Pacific yeah, War. So right. um, I digress. So yeah. so that's the thing. They like go like you go back to where you came from, which is Bolivia, as far as I'm concerned. And Bolivia, it's just like nope <laughs> so basically these refugees just also like get stuck in no man's land it's like they can't go there they can't go there and honestly not that i not that i would condone this but like if bolivia was smart they'd use this for political horse trading i mean this is what happened in 2015 16 17 when we had like this uh quote-unquote flood of syrian migrants coming towards germany we basically did some horse trading with Turkey saying, Hey guys, you received some money from the European. I don't know if I like it. No, I don't like it. No, but it is absolutely horse trading because they were just like, Europe was just like, you're going to get some money from us. If you keep these migrants at bay. So basically Turkey kept them all within the borders, not going to leave them anywhere. And at some point Turkey was just like, huh, what if I just turn up the pressure a little bit? They were like, Hey, give me more money or I'm going to send all them your way. You know? Yeah. And, and, and if Bolivia is, is Bolivia smart. They'll keep the, 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 the Venezuelans because again, most of them had free education, highly educated, highly skilled and can really help the Bolivian economy, which yeah, it do. does I mean, need this help. Could, what I'm saying is that this could go both ways. They could do that or they yeah. could be like Chile. You know what? 
<laughs> it's like, we're going to facilitate them at your borders and we're not going to take them back. I mean, this is, there's a lot of potential, like political tension in the making here. So like, they got to watch out for that too, you know? Yeah. And in general, there has been an absolute lack of multilateral co coordination. Like, as far as I can tell, there have been it's no talks. It's swinging, I feel like, between that, Bolivia and, and Chile for no, so not, long. Right, that too. But I'm not only talking about Bolivia, there have been no talks like with any of the neighboring countries, Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, and how to no, handle this whole situation together. No, but I think that's, that's together, the thing. Is, that's you know? what I mean. There's, there's been so much. I think there's been a lot of bitterness aimed at Chile yeah, for a long time for a lot of reasons. A lot, I mean, like, I mean, there's for no a lot neighboring of reasons. country that Chile hasn't been in a fight with. <laughs> exactly. Chile has fucked every single neighbor over, and now they're the most successful person, and I would be fucking pissed too. You know, like, and they don't want to help out. They don't want, they don't, they actively, they actively see the people from other countries actively see Chileans being like, we don't want you pigeon eating yeah. people here in our amazing country. You're bringing drugs, you're bringing violence, you delinquents. And, and it's, it's, it's bad. Like there's yeah. not good diplomatic relations, which, which, so Boric has like an uphill battle to fight. I, right. uh, and I, I mean, it's, I, if, I mean, especially if you consider that actually Chile once led the regional efforts to promote the, quote, global compact for migration, like they eventually right. withdrew from that. Now, Boric is very much in favor of this whole multilateral approach, and he proposed a quota system to distribute the refugees, very much like uh, people did it in the European Union, which I think mm -hmm. is... I think it's a good idea. I don't know if the other Great. countries of Latin America are going to play along with that, but I think this is what it takes because I think they will, just... but they're going to play hardball. Yeah, and okay. they should. I mean, but this goes this goes back to what we just talked before. Like, you cannot stop migration. Like, the best no. thing you can do is try to redistribute it, guide it, and let's see how it is going. Like, so instead of right. Chile doing like, okay, look, everybody's coming here. How about hey, Colombia? Hey, Argentina? Hey, Uruguay? How about help us out here a bit like don't, don't, boy don't you open your doors for that they were just like i'm not even gonna talk to any of them guys i'm just gonna shut down my borders and put some tanks on there so nobody comes in so that clearly didn't work you know no i mean it's it's very short-sighted i think that's the pro i think if i could say anything about chile in general with like politics and a lot of the latin american countries that we're seeing is a lot of short-sightedness when it comes to immigration. Well, just the world, I feel like, save for some European countries, the the short-sightedness of of the the issues on immigration. Right. They the, you doing what you do with tanks in the northern border is not going to stop immigration, even if it does right now. What's going to happen two years from now? Right. What's going to happen ten years from now? You 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 can't stop it. You should be investing that money that you're using for those tanks and everything into figuring out better ways to incorporate these people to safely have these people in the country contributing it's, to the country it's absolutely i mean it's political because they're they're, they're bringing they're bringing skills and jobs right. i mean that's just the history of, it's called the history it's like re, open up a history book migration has never been a bad thing for any country in the long run ever yeah. it's but it's you know it's it's a political powder keg right you know they of course they they got to be careful with it. i'm not saying that they shouldn't do it but i i see the motivations behind that because i mean i just remember what happened like back in 2015 when our ex-chancellor merkel she was just like we can do this open the borders and everyone's like what are you doing you know and yes because people was, are scared yeah. and fear is and the, fear and, i i will and i will on, but like the, i mean the, the you gotta you gotta say like there was a problem because it was just like too 
too much and too little time going on, you know, like sure. it totally collapsed. But that was on the government too. <laughs> no, it's like you can at no point blame the migrants for that. No, yeah, you don't have to go from zero to a hundred. I'm not like advocating like let's just open the borders, let everybody just flood in, and then no, like you. I think that money that we're investing in tanks or whatever could be invested in people who have actually done for a living researching like migration and how other countries are doing it. Bring in people from different countries who have these skills that can be like, this is the way that you can do it. That's safe. This is the amount of people you can yeah. bring in per day. How you can build this is the tank. way that you can do this. Right. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Here's how you big up. <laughs> no, but that's literally what the Chilean government was investing in. How do we build bigger tanks? Like, what was like, like we... Venezuelan engineers? Like, I know. How. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll help you build those tanks Better against our own people. <laughs> oh my god! That's but, so dark. but but there's there's ways to do this. Like, it's not insane to think. Like, there's ways. We're we're not we're, we have the technology it's 2022 yeah. to like safely place people right. into the country incorporate them and to use their skills i mean it's i mean use their benefits i'm not saying like let's make sacrifices for immigrants in our country you know it's going to be bad but it's, it's better because it's morally better no i don't think that at all i think using their skills taking them into the country is a benefit right. like have it's them Which also brings me Use to the whole part of the solution, like the solutions that I wanted to talk about. I think this is something the what's his name, uh, Berrios said, who was like the Jesuit priest who just turned down a position that Boric offered him, not in the government, but whatever. He's kind of like a prominent figure, and he was also like, look, look, like the most obvious solution here is just to open the border. I mean, not willy nilly, like of course there's got to be a process there, but just in principle, sure. open the border bolster the administrative infrastructure to fast-track immigrants to obtaining legal status and work permits as well as streamline the validation process for foreign diploma, especially Venezuelan ones, you know? And, you know, because since migration can barely be stopped, they might as well just formalize it. You know, that's the thing. So this way, they know who's coming into the country, will nip the human trafficking endeavor in the bud. They won't have to work illegally, undercutting local workers' wages and thereby fueling anti-immigrant sentiments, but at the same time contributing yep. to the society by paying taxes and being provided a safe work environment because they have to adhere to the to the to the what's okay work work code labor code whatever code you know safety you know safety yeah. standards the safety you know? code the standards yeah because said, look if you, if yeah. you're if you're making people get contracts because they're legal here if they have contracts they now have to pay taxes yeah. they have to pay into their IFPA they have mm -hmm. to pay into the public system if they don't have a contract because they can't get one it's I man I can guarantee you these people just want to be here legally oh yeah they do not have an avenue to do it it's not. I, I don't know an immigrant that's like, I want to be here. There are so many reasons why it's impossible to, for them to be able to reach that. Because if you are an immigrant in this country and you have a contractor, even if you're like me and you're still in Tramita with your visa, I still have to pay into the public system every single month. And I still yeah. have to pay my taxes every single month. And that's going towards Chile. Imagine how many more people being able to contribute to the public system would help Chile. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, and as we just said before, they don't want to be working on the black market. They want to be like legal here because they would have to deal with like, okay, shitty wages with all the hate from the co-workers who just being like, they're Turker germs, you know, and then also not being, germs. not being provided a safe work environment because I mean, if but also you want to have a safe I job care, for you know? your family. You don't want to be out there yeah. thinking you could die when you have two kids at home and, a, and a, like a, a husband or whatever, like, right. 
And as you just you... said, most of the immigrants here, like they have a high level a level of education than the average Chilean. So, you know, that's the thing. Though actually, this might change. And most of them bit. can speak English. <laughs> yeah. No, no, this, 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 this <laughs> might change. Teacher. Yeah, but this might change a bit in the future now because if, I think we've mentioned it in the last part. Like the first wave of immigrants, especially from Venezuela, were more like the well better educated people and now right, because they had the more, resources to come here yeah, which i'm not saying turn them back i'm just saying like basically the average education level of the average migrant is right the average chilean migrant then is way yeah. less educated than the average. <laughs> right i mean now, you know also it just one last thing here like since we've been talking about anti-immigrant sentiments like i I, I do have to take up the culture for the northerners in a bit, little bit because someone pointed out in an interview that i read They said in the north, in the north, we know probably better than anyone how to coexist with different cultures because we've been sharing spaces with Peruvians and Bolivians for decades now. So I, that kind of makes sense to me. So basically, I would say that a lot of these anti immigrant protests that erupted that were not so much because the people were inherently xenophobic, but because they were absolutely overwhelmed by the situation and action of the Chilean government. And they just looked to, like, where can I take this out? Who can I take this out? Of? Anytime you're pushed to your limits, yeah. you're fighting over water, you're fighting over research, fighting over what? Anytime you're pushed to your limits, then you're going to get desperate. That's like, yeah. you know, it's like people like, why do people sell drugs if they're educated? It's like when you're pushed to your limit because you have no other way out or you used to live in a little house that you could barely provide for your family. Now there are 16 people with mm -hmm. a tent outside of your home and that vegetable stand that used to have food now doesn't have any vegetables because yeah. now you have to share with 16 people who you know are not legal here. It's going to bring out a bad side in you. Yeah, that happens right? when those every, time, every time I'm stressed, I just kick a puppy. You know, I'm not proud of it, but it would happen. Yeah, I mean, if I have to act, if I try to go get a completo one more time and somebody's like, no, es un completo, es un perro caliente because they're from Venezuela, I swear to God. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. <laughs> these, these people need to learn our ways. These people need to know it's called a completo, not so a perro caliente. How dare you? Right. No. So, yeah, but I thought it was actually a pretty good point, say, because I think if, any region in Chile is absolutely multicultural. I mean, with the exception from Santiago, maybe, but then again, Santiago has, is so densely populated. Oh man, Santiago is a different animal. There. Yeah. And also like in some parts of town, you we divide up, we divide up ourselves. It's like, it's but, like lots of metropolitan yeah. cities that divide themselves. Oh, look, there's Chinatown. It's cool. As long as right. Chinese stay in China, you know, yeah, it's like all yeah, that kind of bullshit. Exactly. So I think a lot of like in the North, There's a lot of there are a lot of towns where basically Chileans, Peruvians, Bolivians just basically live door to door next door. They know how to get along. They can appreciate the different cultural influences of their neighbors. And I get that. You know, I get I think it's a good point to say it's like, look, like we know how to integrate, like we know this kind of thing, but we cannot handle the situation right now. We need the government to step and up. And that 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 is the government that needs to step in because those people were already desperate. Yeah. Those people if they thought probably where they would be better off in Peru or somewhere else, they probably would have moved too because fuck they like, what was it last time you like spoke about the statistics? It was like 99.9 or what you're missing me slinging numbers at you. Already? Yeah, I missed them already mm. missing your numbers. Mm, boy, I miss those numbers. Those numbers do me good. Okay. Anyway, I mean like, so many of those people are just already in dire straits with how that they're how they're living and Great now let's right. say that like it, i don't even know if they don't have access to health and then all of a sudden the very few meager things they had access to are gone they're desperate and that is where hope where the government needs to step in and hopefully where the board administration will really try to 
kind of support these places, not just support the immigrants there. But they need to support the people that already live there because they've been fucked over by being ignored all this time, too. And I think that's also a fear. Like, okay, y'all are doing, you're focusing on this migration stuff in the North, but what about me? What about me? Actually, <laughs> like, actually, actually that's a good point you bring up. And sorry for being very cultural centric again, because this is something that also happened in Germany. Somebody, I don't know who said that, but it was also a very interesting point uh, because that was also happening during the migration crisis up in, in 2015. And there was this one politician, or I don't know who he was, but he was just like, look, everybody's talking about integration, integration, integration. What about integrating us? I'm from East Germany. Like we have been waiting for some proper integration for the last 30 years. Like sure. this is not happening. I was like, that is actually a pretty good point, you know, because there are still parts of your own population who have been neglected or are the, actually because the privileged, are yeah. culturally absolutely different because in the case of Eastern Germany, that was a completely different culture back then. So like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like native, it's like native Americans in the U S it's like black right. people. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's because the privileged class are white. <laughs> and mm. so they're not thinking about, the fact that there's these other internal problems as well. And like, look, we don't have to just focus, like we're focusing on this podcast, obviously on the migration crisis, because that's what the topic is today. But you don't have to just be like, oh, it's one or the other. No, dude, it doesn't have to be yeah. just one or the other. Oh, you can focus on so this migration times. crisis and you can also help these people out who are desperate and trying to survive. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other. That's just the Send worst support case of what aboutism that I've heard lately. Why don't you help your own people? Well, we can do both of these things, yeah. you motherfucker. Like we we have the tech again, we're it's 2022. We have we have alien phone technology stuff, billionaires sending rockets into space. We can do more than one thing. We can handle our own people and help migrants, like at the same time. Man, I like, <laughs> we have the technology. technology. I mean, it's basically everything is alien phone tech. Like, I don't know. Basically, it's magic. It's everything is magic now. We can do this. We have the magic, okay, in our pockets and on our faces. I have glasses on. That's technology from like 200 years ago. We can do this now. Like, I think whatever professional credibility we might have built up throughout the last hour, we just lost it. <laughs> you know what? I've never called myself a professional. If you are, what Pamela loves for me to say, if you're just now tuning in, if yeah, this is your yeah. first episode of us, we are not professionals. We're just two people who love Chile, who really like reading about politics, who are talking about it and hope you enjoy it. That's right. And that's it. And that's enjoy it. And alien it. technology. Right. And that's pretty much all i have about this whole topic i don't know if you have anything to add here no i'm good i think i said everything uh i wanted to say but it, I, it was a good topic and like look we know this is a developing topic so we yeah. do have a new section every pre we, we might do a part three in the future maybe um but we also are going to keep you guys updated in our new sections about what's happening with this i think there's going to be a lot of changes with the new administration there already has i mean Oh, what Sieges went to the north and she had to stop her yeah. speech because there was gunfire. First day. Yeah. First day, like yeah. her first big day. And then she had to stop. Did yeah. they ever find out what happened? Uh, it was just like gunshots in the air, but there was like this interview they had with the, uh, ooh, I don't know, it was a governor, it was some local authority figure who was also from what I can tell from his last name. He was also like Mapuche. And he was like, yeah, that wasn't really well prepared because like, like what she should have done is like she should have basically sat down 
with, uh, I don't know if that's the correct way to say tribal chief, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and basically, or with a, with a representative of the Mapuche community, just to hash things out and basically, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this and this, and th those are the times. Apparently, they didn't do that. And he was like, look, this is an mm. issue that all of the governments had because there have been, has been this ignorance towards cultural differences, as we just talked about, within your own country, because the Mapuche is a completely different people, <laughs> you know? So yeah, you have to respect, and, you have and to hopefully they'll this. learn from that situation all i know is last time we were talking last thing we were like she should go there faster because again i think that, again i think initially there was a plan to like get 20th. some feet wet and go up to the north and then it was like no now and then she went now and then this happened so uh, no, 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 learning that was in the south that was in the south she went to timo quickly ah yeah 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 right, yeah right right directions so, are hard for me i'm so directly mix, challenged we're mixing topics here but, she, I mean, yeah, it, yeah 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 it's, it's it's kind of germane she, to this she whole thing. well she went okay yeah yeah and she wasn't doing the migration stuff she was doing um you know, indigenous stuff yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> civil war indigenous stuff whatever. but she was supposed to go to the north when is she going to the north she's supposed to go to the north soon Yes, we'll keep you updated. He's supposed to go on the twentieth of memory serves, and actually, now that you mention it, yeah, I also like conflated these two things. But yeah, she has been up again. I, so much is happening right now in Chile. Like yeah. hour to hour, things are changing, and it was like she was supposed to go to the north, but then she went to the south, and now she's in Hell. And I was like, when she was there, there were gunshots. So I was like, oh, she was in the north, and it's like, so um, if we need to correct ourselves, we will do so in mm. upcoming episodes. Yeah. So it was well, in the yeah. Well, <laughs> so we don't have to talk about gunshots in the north, you know. Yeah. Well, also, it, it doesn't help that uh, Pinguino, our fact checker, is not currently with us right now. I mean, he's not dead. He's just um, <laughs> he's been very <laughs> He's no longer with us. No, no, no. He just he's been really busy lately. So he has to edit post post edit. And typically he's the person who has all the facts and knowledge of the updated stuff and fact checks us. So he just has to edit it out. It's hibernate. It wouldn't be like. Wouldn't it be like no verinate, summernate? Because they're like no, they no. just stand in the they just stand there while they almost freeze to death while the winds whip around them. Yeah. Like men. Yeah, that sounds like because me. the men the male penguins typically do that. Yeah, protect the eggs. It's super cute. Oh. It's very Mandalorian. Anyway, so we love you guys. We hope you enjoyed right. the episode. If you have any other specific questions about migration, like you can always um message us on one of our formats join the patreon get in on the discourse maybe we can have like a discourseion of what's going on <laughs> that was good one discord this i like discourseion yeah it's no, better no. yeah but uh yeah so thanks for tuning in you guys we love you and we'll be back in a couple weeks so when in doubt green go out bye, bye. The Chile Today podcast is produced and edited by podcast pinguino Diego Rivera, and it is starring Leonard Klugehe and Bethany Francis. Nice. Oh, but one of these days, I just want you to not butcher my name. <laughs> Leonard Kluge, you mean? Leonard Kluge. Bye. <laughs>